Welcome to Shatter by Rockwell Automation Women in the Field. We're your hosts, Fumi Ige, Carrie Schrock, Kara Parati, and Kira Rust. Kara, how are you? I'm good, Kira. How are you? I'm good. How was your uh, weekend? My weekend was good. I'm a bit uh, sleepy because I um, was traveling. I had a wedding this past weekend, um, but I got to see a bunch of friends that I hadn't in a long time and um, and it was a lot of fun. So I'm glad I got to do it. But it seems as though um, wedding season and the amount of weddings that are suddenly popping up um, is not slowing down anytime soon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wedding season is here. It's to your point, a gift and a curse. I love to see all of my friends and the travel is fun and it's like a big get together, uh, but it can be tiring. I, I was talking with somebody else today, coincidentally, that just traveled and they were in a wedding and said, you know, it feels like I need a weekend after my weekend because the laundry isn't done. and I'm not organized in my personal life, but it was a blast. So I hope it was the same for you. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I had, um, this was kind of my first wedding I went to of the year. And, uh, one of my friends was like, yeah, I like it, but it's so exhausting. And I was like, oh no, come on. An excuse to get dressed up and see your friends and hang out and whatever. Like I can't imagine more fun. And now I'm back from the wedding and I'm like, oh no, I get it. I get how this could become exhausting. (laughs) I get it. Oh, well, good. I, I'm, I hope we're not too tired because we have an amazing guest speaker today. Um, yes. We have Danu with us. Okay. Danu grew up in Chennai in Southern India. As is the case with many Indians, Danu is bilingual. She speaks, reads, and writes English and Tamil and learned some Hindi and German growing up. She now lives in a suburb of Northwestern Chicago and currently works as a channel team lead for Rockwell. This is her 14th anniversary with Rockwell and she's enjoying reflecting on her time uh, the last several years. Danu is married um, and a mom to two boys, ages seven and two. She loves to listen to her son play the piano and sing, loves to cook with her son. I've heard she makes a mean masala dosa and chutney. And when she has the time, she loves to swim and play tennis. Traveling is another passion of hers. Some favorite spots over the years, including Alaska, traveled a little in India, Hawaii, and other places in the US, Cape Cod, and the Keys. Although life has certainly taken many twists and turns, at this point, Danu is feeling very grateful for everything she has, a wonderful husband, kids, sister, and amazing parents that have taught her so much about living healthy, having a spiritual foundation, managing finances and investments, raising kids, how to be kind and benevolent, how not to be wasteful with resources, etc. She's also thankful for the benefit of having the security and comfort that many of our friends around the world don't have right now, unfortunately. Danu, welcome to Shatter. Thank you so much, Kira. Thank you so much for having me. Um, what a great, fun opportunity to sit down and have a have a chat about uh, some exciting 
um, things with uh, both Kara and you. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, of course. We're thrilled you're here. I was looking at where you were raised and coincidentally, I think it's it's on the same latitude of Phnom Penh where I'll be in a week actually uh, to backpack in Cambodia. Oh, that sounds exciting. Um, it's, it's interesting. A lot of people, you know, when they think about the map, another interesting point, by the way, is the northernmost part of India is almost along the same latitude as Florida, um, which means the further south you get, you're closer uh, to the equator, which, you know, is another fun tip. I think a lot of people don't think about the geography that way, but that's exciting. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited for your vacation. Yeah, thank you. That's interesting. I, I didn't think about it that way. Um, I, I always have fun traveling because it, uh, it helps me learn, <laughs> learn the global map better because once you visit, you don't forget where those places are relative to other places. So that's a fun fact. Yeah. Um, I'm also so excited to have uh, you here with us today. Um, Kira and I are both uh, big travelers, and uh, I think it's fun to have a call where all three of us have uh, been to Alaska. But what, when you're talking about maps, what I find funny is uh, whenever I look at a map when I'm traveling really far, I like can't conceptualize the fact that I'm actually that far. Like none of it feels real. It all if all feels made up. Um, but always excited similarly to get to travel and learn more. Absolutely. Alaska is such a beautiful place. It's you never think about it that way. We actually went there for our honeymoon, and it's not your typical honeymoon spot, but I would have traded it for anything else. It's such a gorgeous place, and uh, uh gosh, it's like uh, heaven on earth. Oh. Where did you go in Alaska? I, I'm from Alaska, actually. Oh, no way. So we yeah. went to Anchorage. Yeah, we went to Anchorage. We stayed there and then we did a lot of small trips um, in and around Anchorage. Uh, we went and saw the different glaciers. Um, we did a cruise that kind of uh, showed you some of the spots um, where you could see like some of the best glacial views. And then we spent some time in Denali. Um, that trip was a very exciting trip. Like you could go for hours and not like see another car um, <laughs> or see a gas station. It needed a little bit of prep. Um, a lot of scenic drives along the ocean. Um, just an amazing place. I'm jealous that you got to see so much of Alaska. It's on my list of things, you know, or places to go back and see sometime. Um, well, hey, if you ever need travel tips, uh, your shatter hosts can help you out. <laughs> of course, of course. I'll have to make a note of that and ask you the next time. Um, honestly, I know you didn't offer, but um, maybe I'm going to be asking you actually. So we can just have a big uh, swap of tips and travel plans. Perfect. I've heard the term revenge travel being coined this year that since everybody that loves to travel couldn't in the last two years, <laughs> everybody's trying to go wherever they can this year. I would like to do, um, to do a little bit more of that. Luckily I've been doing, uh, some, you know, drivable local travel, which has been nice, but I haven't had a big, a big full trip in, in a minute. So hopefully I can get some of those on the calendar coming up soon. We hope. Well, let's dive in. Um, Danu, it looks like you recently became a team lead 
congrats, first of all. And I'd love to know about how that's been going and a little bit of background and what brought you to this role since you've uh, been with Rockwell for about over 13 years now, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. And happy to share my story. It's it's such a, it's an interesting story. Um, you know, I think anyone that has a long career uh, can give you some really fun, you know, different twists and angles that their career took. And I'm happy to share that too. Maybe I'll, I'll um, kind of step back a little bit if that's okay. Um, as you alluded to earlier, Kira, I grew up in Southern India in a coastal city called Chennai. Um, for those of you that don't know Chennai, it's a beautiful city. It's the capital city of the state of Tamil Nadu. So if you think about the shape of uh, the uh, of India, it's the southernmost um, state of the country. And it's a very large city, right? So think 11 million plus in total population. Um, very diverse in terms of culture, a lot of different languages being spoken, um, traditions, right? Different groups of people bring in a lot of different traditions, um, plethora of uh, food options, so much rich history. And I think when I grew up, learning a lot about that kind of shaped, um, I'd say, who I am today in a big way. Um, when I finished my undergrad in India, I had a passion to learn more about technology. And you know, America is always seen as that beacon. Um, so I moved to the United States in 2007. And I went to UW-Milwaukee and uh, got my master's in computer science. Um, and during my grad school, uh, you know, I spent some time learning and doing a little bit of, you know, research and projects on different things. But one of the opportunities I had was to intern at Rockwell as a software development intern. Um, and I, I had an offer at that time to pursue two different companies. And I, I picked Rockwell because uh, I had a love for manufacturing. Um, a lot of that comes from uh, me watching and being around my dad's business, which involved uh, manufacturing mostly mechanical equipment. Um, but, you know, we'll talk about this later too, but it's such an understated industry. Uh, but I had the privilege of being exposed to how things were made. Um, so I did my internship and towards the end of my internship, uh, Rockwell had a variety of options for early career programs, right? And uh, one of those was to do a rotational program in what we call software and control. Um, you know, when I looked at the options, I felt like that was one of the best ways I could start up my career. Um, and in hindsight, I, I, I'm glad I did that because uh, it gave me so much exposure fairly early on um, about the different roles and, you know, what it takes to run a large corporation. Uh, it gave me so much exposure to different, you know, people in the company and different skills and interests and really an appreciation for how amazing our company is. Uh, but, but the other thing I think it taught me going through a rotational program like that is, you know, how to tr transition between roles and quickly learn, quick, quickly assess kind of what you're good at, what you're not good at, and where you can bring value. Um, and, you know, if you're someone that has a hesitation for change, uh, you know, going through a rotational program like that will, will kind of help you navigate that, right? Um, so following that, I, I took a role in what's called commercial engineering. I was supporting a handful of our products at that, that time. Uh, I worked on enablement material for our customers and customer events. Uh, we developed adoption tools within our teams. Uh, we work with distributors and customers. 
um, on high priority escalations and providing insights from our field, right? What our customers are doing with our products uh, back to our business units where the products were being launched. Uh, the one thing I always knew about me, even very young, um, even in high school, is I, I love change and I like variety in my day. Um, and I felt like that followed me in my jobs. Um, I wanted to continue learning and exploring and growing. Um, and I had the opportunity to attend some of the Society of Women Engineers conferences, um, a lot of career fairs, doing recruitment at career fairs. Um, I helped launch an ERG. And I feel like through a lot of these experiences, um, you know, you kind of meet and hear about people's stories and their lives and careers. And that's, that's amazing to do that. And in one such occasion, uh, one of the leaders, very um, impactful female leader at that time, she reached out to me and encouraged me to think about selling for Rockwell. And up until that point, I saw myself as a, as a core engineer. I hadn't really seen myself in sales, um, but I did a lot of due diligence. I talked to a lot of my friends who were in sales. I talked to managers, um, you know, who had uh, hired people from either outside the company or from within other business units and realized what an energizing environment B2B sales is. Um, you know, we were working with customers and distributors and other stakeholders. Um, I think more importantly, you're at the forefront of some super exciting applications um, in sales, right? And um, somehow I think the stars really aligned for me. Um, I had a personal need to move to a, a location in Chicago and um, we had an opening at that point and I had so much fun um, in that account manager role. It almost felt like I was living the show how stuff is made every day. <laughs> um, I quickly learned, you know, how important automation is to the manufacturing space and the big impact it has on our lives. Um, I mean, if, because of automation, if you think about it, you get your perfect Oreo cookie every day. Um, we get much needed medicines and stuff to build your house. My toddler gets his favorite blueberry oats uh, pouch every day, etc. So, so just a fun experience and following that role, um, I went into what's called a channel account manager role where I would be working very closely with our distributor partners who we sell through. Um, and in that team, I was responsible for, you know, executing long-term and short-term channel strategies, uh, working with our partners on their annual business plans, you know, working with them to remove roadblocks and barriers that's in front of them. And as part of that, I was also promoted to being a team lead where I would continue doing the same thing, but took on a slightly greater responsibility for leading um, a team. I'd say it's been wonderful and crazy all at the same time because uh, it is an incremental growth role. <laughs> but I did learn a lot about you know, hiring talent and onboarding talent and building executive relationships with our partner companies. Um, and growing our business through our best-in-class channel partners within our territories. So it's um, it's been, I'd say it's been awesome overall. Thinking through kind of that background, and I don't know, I guess Kira could probably comment on it, but I think a lot of the times in, in a similar way, I stumbled upon engineering um, because of a few people that influenced me in my life. And then I kind of stumbled into a technical sales role because of some of the things that I were I was working on and kind of, again, a very similar thing where it kind of 
all came together. And um, I don't know, a lot of that resonated with me. Um, With that kind of when you had this passion for manufacturing that is clear from, you know, describing your background, could you tell us more when you started studying engineering, how you pictured kind of that career looking and if it looked anything like it does now? Because like I said, for me, I know that I don't think I had any idea what I thought my career was going to look like. And it definitely isn't what it looks like now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, totally. And, you know, and I've seen that a lot with, you know, some of the people I've met too, right? Their careers have taken, um, you know, big shifts in in a great and a fun way. I I would say, yes, Um, I, I do really enjoy working in a kind of a manufacturing related industry. I don't know if we would define Rockwell as manufacturing. I mean, we yeah, we make products, but I think being in that automation space, we help enable manufacturing, right? I, I also wanna say that I think manufacturing is such an understated industry today. Um, I, I experienced some of that when I went to school, there's definitely a strong bias towards some of the newer technology tech companies out there. I think it's maybe it's because somehow they're more visible in front of people, um, especially students graduating college. Um, boy, but I'm so biased towards manufacturing. I think it's the backbone of a country's economy. Um, I think for many, many countries, it's a key indicator of prosperity, right? Um, large economies like the US um, or many other Western countries uh, manufacturing today is extremely creative, extremely innovative. It's technical. Um, it, it makes such a big impact on people's lives every day in a way we don't see it, right? Generally, um, they hire the largest workforce in any economy. Um, there's a lot of futuristic thinking and problem solving that's involved in the manufacturing or manufacturing related um, industry. Um, And like I said earlier, in the automation space at Rockwell, we really help enable that capability to our producers, right? Um, To me personally, the ability to make things and make goods available for people to buy kind of in a cost-effective way, that has a lot of purpose, uh, kind of a higher purpose for me. Um, You know, and Kara, you had asked a question about, you know, how did I see my career? But when I first started kind of in that engineering technology um, discipline in college, right? Similar to you, not knowing a lot of specific details about the different you know, disciplines of engineering, I did go to school to pursue uh, my computer science degree. Um, you know, some people would argue if that is core engineering, um, I would say it is. But as I started my career as an engineering developer with a background in computer science, I always thought, you know, the rest of my career was probably going to be centered around, you know, core engineering, firmware development, software development, maybe some incremental changes in growth, but that's the extent to which I kind of saw my career and my job. Um, and, And while I did like that, and I got a lot of satisfaction from it, remember, I also also said, you know, I love change. I like new things in my day. And I think that's where kind of branching off into a commercial role or going into sales or doing what I do now in partner management 
um, has been very exciting and interesting and so impactful for me in the last you know, 10 plus years. Um, and so many things helped me kind of find different paths. Um, but I'd say that's kind of how I started my career, uh, thinking that I would be mostly, you know, in an engineering core development type of a discipline uh, within engineering. That makes so much sense to me. And there were a few things that you had said that really, you know, stuck out to me. But uh, one of the big ones is this idea that, you know, the things that engineering touches at whatever career kind of path you have, I think it's rare that in our day-to-day lives, unless you're working that role, you think about, you know, that perfect Oreo or your toothbrush or how you're you know, water comes in a package or any of those pieces Um, and utilizing that idea of saying I go to work and my job is very similar to how it's made um, has been something that I've uh, leaned on quite a bit. So that makes a lot of sense with me. And not only is it so different from what you could imagine, but also it touches so many different things. This podcast episode brought to you by Factory Talk View Software. With Factory Talk View Software, you can get a clear, consistent story from a standalone machine level HMI to distributed visualization solutions covering your entire enterprise. A single software package covers HMI challenges in process, batch, and discrete application. Clear displays and a common programming language, including a huge library of faceplates, help confirm that you are getting the best possible perspectives of your machine performance. With users at multiple levels in your organization all seeing the same views of the machine, you speed up the ability to manage production, which is a story you can all get behind. Let's see. I really appreciate the perspective that a lot of us walk into an engineering degree, young and bright-eyed, and we see all of the cool tech, maybe to your point, Danu, because it's advertised and in front of us. Um, But, you know, the experience of being a woman in engineering and manufacturing historically can feel isolating. Um, the most recent data posted on the Society of Women Engineers uh, SWE website compares the numbers of women in STEM occupations. This is in the United States in particular, but not surprisingly, um, to those that are familiar, women in engineering come in at the lowest amount, especially compared with chemists, material science uh, scientists, and biological scientists. And women in computer and mathematical occupations are higher than the number of those in engineering, uh, but those numbers have notably decreased since 1990, unfortunately. And these numbers have a ripple effect, I think, across generations, and the lack of diversity is then woven into the fabric of our society. For example, having a lack of diversity in the software engineering or the the software engineers writing the algorithms and the apps we use. And this further exacerbates inequality and artificial intelligence as it becomes increasingly important in all of our lives. So in my few years with Rockwell, I'm glad to have seen a push 
for inclusivity in general to hopefully combat the barrier to entry for many people. Uh, I wonder, um, Danu, if you have any thoughts on how the industry has changed during your tenure in the field um, and what that looks like to you. Yeah, that's a great question. And my gosh, those status, those statistics, they don't look so favorable, right? When you look at women, women in engineering. Um, gosh, how unfortunate. That said, you know, I I, I do I, I see where that statistic comes from, right? Because when I started at Rockwell, um, like we said about 13, 14 years ago, I don't remember the company looking somewhat like that. However, the good news is there's so much movement in the right direction. Um, I, I think, and I have seen this over the years, we have started recruiting differently, right? We show up very differently to our talent pool um, with benefits that are a lot more women-friendly and family-friendly. And I, I believe that helps a lot with that recruitment and retainment of um, women, especially in the core engineering careers. I would say I was fortunate enough to be part of several outreach efforts um, through Rockwell RA Suite, through RA Asia Pacific ERG. And I think some of the work that these employee resource groups do is, is not talked about often. Um, there's so much impact that these employee resource groups have had on some of our decisions around, you know, as mentioned earlier, benefits and other things. Um, I think it's important for a lot of us to know that many large companies, right, that are branded as core engineering companies do have several different career paths. And, you know, that was not obvious to me when I first started and, and maybe um, a lot more awareness exists today around that, which I feel is going to go a long way in helping um, kind of improve some of that statistic. Um, you know, that allows for us to expand our skill set in so many different ways, right? So I would say the industry certainly is, is in an upward growth path. Um, there's so much focus around having talent that is more diverse, right? And there's so many dimensions of diversity when you think about it that way. It's not just about gender or age or ethnicity. There's a lot of different things that go into diversity. And I think a lot of large corporations, much like Rockwell, have invested heavily in that because they do see the value of it and the outcome that comes from some of that work. Um, and I think all of that is going to help kind of shape what the industry looks like in the next several years. The other thing I would say is, you know, even five years ago, some of the technology that I think Rockwell was interested in and investing in is a little different from what that looks like today. Um, we are heavily investing in augmented reality, um, in enterprise-wide software. And I think those are some areas that are new for us. And I think that totally opens up the door to bring in talent that we haven't had in the past, right? And I think all of that together is going to really help um, impact that statistic you shared, Kara. It makes me so optimistic to hear you talk about that, especially uh, being in the field for longer and seeing the, the rate of change. And I certainly see a lot of positive change myself. And it makes me so hopeful because to Kara's point, a lot of us join 
an engineering degree because it is a choice that you make when you're 18 and you move through the degree and into your career and maybe you're not quite sure you know where you're headed but you think you're on the right track and and that's all great you know because getting a degree in engineering seemed to be a great return on investment is the reason that I ultimately ended up going that route as a as a first generation college student and um, somebody paying for her own school. But it's also a field ripe with opportunities, both financially and personally fulfilling in a lot of cases. So automation is one avenue, but the options seem endless once you're in the field. Yeah. Yeah, and great job, by the way, getting into engineering and sticking with it, um, especially if, you know, if you didn't have a lot of people around you to ask questions that maybe you had in your mind. And I think that's where having podcasts like this is awesome. I mean, this is something that's available to a lot of people. Um, so great job on that, Kira. Um, oh, I would leave, of course, yeah. For me, I think... Some of my upbringing really helped me go down the path of engineering or technology in a, in a slightly easier way. Um, both my dad and my older sister, Anu, um, went to really good engineering schools in India. And I had heard so much about um, engineering and learned about what it meant to be an engineer just by being around them. Um, I think I had mentioned earlier, I would visit my dad's company growing up and you know seeing some of the work he had done it always inspired me. Um, it was inspirational to me because he was a source of income for a lot of people. Um, and that, that stuck with me. I would say, you know, to balance that out, my mom is someone who has a lot of drive. She still is a very highly motivated person. And uh, she raised both my sister Anu and I that way too. Uh, she kind of taught us very early on that, you know, we are built to do difficult things. Um, she helped ourselves see ourselves very differently than, than how we saw us, if that makes sense. Um, she also played yeah. such a little role, yeah, in helping us kind of navigate some of the stereotypes that exist, that exists out there around women, right, in technology fields or engineering fields or, or any other general stereotypes that really don't serve us well in the communities we're part of. Um, so I'm, I'm really thankful um, to them. And looking back, I think I had the gift of having some remarkable people in, our, in my life. Um, and I think from my perspective, that's something I feel like we should give back if we have that experience. Um, and that might look like a few different things, much like you're doing, Kira. You know, this podcast has so much impact. Um, it's going to reach a lot of different people, right? Hearing some of these stories. And I would say, you know, I, I try to do my best to share some of my experiences with girls um, and young women very early on, right? It's not something you want to talk to someone when they're 18 or 19. I mean, that has a place too, but I think a lot of decisions get made way before that in elementary school, in middle school. Um, so I, I'd say offer to mentor someone, whether that's a formal Formal, formal way or in a casual, informal way. I think that has a huge impact. I think helping a girl see herself as an engineer and talking about kind of why she would be a great engineer and you know, be able to um, have an impact, uh, I think means a lot. 
And for me, you know, just knowing that there are so many tracks and paths in engineering was super helpful. Um, the amount of effort, Kira, I know you have an engineering degree and uh, the amount of effort and cost that it takes um, to, to getting that engineering degree for me has personally paid off. I think it's a great career that offers um, a, a great source of income in a very safe environment, um, which I think is something that a lot of women out there need to hear. Um, and I would say going forward, there's so much opportunity um, and growth potential in engineering. There's such a strong need for this talent pool, the, the women engineers, the smart, capable women engineers that want to make a huge impact. I think there's so much need for them. And I would say for me, you know, it certainly was a source of fulfilling, satisfying career. And I know I have more, many more years of that coming. Um, I also think maybe more awareness about the different paths that you could go down. And I think that is always very helpful um, and impactful. And I would ask, you know, anyone that's listening to this podcast, if you're able to, you know, share those experiences with people, I think it helps impact, especially young girls and women in a, in a big way. Can I just say amen? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of what I was going to say. I think each of us can probably point to people in our lives that really helped us get to that point and maybe fight against some of the ways that in general, um, young girls are socialized to be in what we're told to like and XYZ kind of all of those things. I was joking this weekend with my young niece. Uh, she loves when I build her towers. Um, and I said it is less about my engineering degree and more about the many years spent playing with Lincoln Logs, um, but also that idea of the call to action, right? Making it known and available and that information out there for um, more individuals is, is really important. What you had previously noted kind of about the ways as individuals we can help grow that next generation of women in engineering uh, one of the things that you had noted was like mentorship, for example, or, or putting out podcasts like this, which is wonderful to hear back, um, I think are all really wonderful ways for as individual characters to continue to grow that and help support each other. Um, but are there any notes on how you would say is best to communicate this and, you know, grow that confidence in this next generation? Um of hopeful women in engineering and, and young girls choosing this path. And then kind of on top of that, or, or to go hand in hand with it, do you have any thoughts around um, what it's like to retain women in engineering or in the field today? Yeah, totally. You know, I think um, I love the question around generation. You know, how do you communicate this to the next generation to build confidence um, gosh, I feel, and I've done quite a bit of early career recruiting, and I feel like every year I go out for these recruiting events, the talent that comes into the door just seems to get, you know, better in so many ways, right? More curiosity, more confidence by nature, um, conversationally, just extremely vibrant. And I just think that just organically, Kara, the talent that's coming in next generation, they're doing something right. Um, it just seems to get better and better. 
um, which means um, for us, right, talking about these conversations becomes a lot easier. I would say in terms of, you know, what we can tell the next generation, I would say the best way to communicate, I think, is to share stories, right? Stories of why things worked for you. And if it didn't work for you, what you would have done differently. There are so many different ways to do that. Um, I know from Rockwell and several other companies out there, we have a large presence at um, RA SWE conferences or the SWE conference, um, SHIP and NSBE. And those are all some really great avenues to talk about these stories and create that exposure. And I think there's a lot of inspiration that comes from some of these stories. Um, so that's one of my favorite ways is to continue to share these stories. Um, but the other thing I would say is, I think there is certainly a, kind of a, a vision or a picture of what a classic engineer does at these large companies. And I still hear that, right? Um, I, in fact, was talking to someone that just graduated from her chemical engineering degree um, at Urbana-Champaign uh, this past week. And, uh, you know, the, I think the extent of awareness, uh, unfortunately, is, oh, you know, research and development. And that's awesome. Yes, we need our best talent there, but there's there are so many other um, careers and career tracks within any engineering company. And I think somehow we have to communicate that more I think I would love for our up and coming talent uh, to see that, right? To see that, hey, if you're someone that loves technology, but you're also um, really good about, uh, you know, talking to people about, you know, problems and trying to solve problems, you know, maybe there's a path in sales for you. Or if you're the kind of person that enjoys engineering, enjoys technology, but you're someone that's more of a, I have a vision for what I think would help solve a customer's problems. Um, and I know how to go get that product built or that vision, make that vision a reality. Um, maybe there's a path for you as a product manager. And I think those are just two, two small examples in the, in the plethora of engineering roles out there. And I think somehow we have to find ways to continue to talk about those different roles um, and I think that's going to have a big impact. I think we should also talk about how, from a financial perspective, you know, engineering careers um, have great financial viability for you, right? If you're someone that's interested in, in reaching a point of financial stability, um, a job in engineering can certainly help you get there. Um, I think if we talk about all of those things, um, you know, in the best way possible, right, whatever is natural to us, like I said, for me, my favorite part of stories, talking to people, you know, that want to listen to how things work for me or don't work for me, I think those are, uh, those, those would be some, some ideas that um, uh, Kara might, might be very effective. Yeah, I love that. And um, I think I can speak for both Kira and myself when we say that we're really grateful today to have been able to share your story mm. or at least a piece of it. I did want to add one piece to what you just said too. I remember in the old engineering building architecture, our engineering building where I went to school, oh gosh, I think it was built early I don't know, 19 something. It was a really old building, but every image on the outside, long story short, was 
um, you know, a man holding a wrench and gears. And one of the things I came across on LinkedIn recently from Jay working on Invent the Change, who I believe used to be a Rockwell employee, is that even if it's not explicitly that women aren't included in in these engineering conversations or girls aren't included in science and math um, opportunities, maybe when they're younger, the signs are everywhere. And it doesn't stop in some places throughout your career. So I think um, the retention piece is key as well. And um, wondering if you have any thoughts on that front too. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd say from my perspective and, and, you know, obviously most of my career has been at Rockwell. I think we do a really good job of having several tools available um, for women. Um, that that's, it looks like a lot of different things, right? That is making sure our women are compensated um, equally, right? That is a conversation that is getting a lot of visibility. Um, there are several mentoring circles and programs, um, whether that's through a formal HR program or through our employee resource groups, you know, helping build that community. Um, I know we had talked about this a little earlier in our podcast. We talked about, you know, isolation. And I think it's very predominant, especially if you're in a field-based role, where a lot of the times, you know, you're not directly working with coworkers. It's more outward-facing, right? It's more customer-facing. Certainly helping stand up some of those mentoring circles where, you know, you have an environment where you can share a story and ask questions and ask Um, maybe for some help and advice or guidance, whatever that looks like. I think those are some important things. Um, You know, one thing I've really enjoyed um, is at Rockwell is the people, right? I mean, we have amazing people. I think we do a really good job bringing really good talent into the door. And I have had a lot of, um, you know, call it mentors or leaders that have been willing to share, you know, what it would take to get to a different level, a different um, role. And I think being very candid about some of those conversations and helping, you know, build out some skill set to go do that. And sometimes that looks like taking on, you know, an additional project um, to go explore a different part of the company, right, which could be doing something completely different than what we're doing today, but taking on a little extra initiative and, and making those opportunities available for our women, I think help a lot. Um, so there are a lot of different ways I think we can work on retaining women. And, and these are some good examples. Um, another one that comes to mind is, um, you know, creating visibility by attending, you know, some of our conferences, um, like, you know, the SWE conference is an example. Um, and, you know, giving the opportunity to share your story. Sometimes I feel like in our mind, we're so much harder on ourselves. Um, but when you start opening up and talking about your story, you just realize, you know, how far you've come. And I think sometimes that goes a long way in, in helping think through, uh, 
you know, why you're doing this. And it creates that bigger purpose. And for me, this podcast, by the way, getting ready for this was very helpful in that way. Like I said, it's this is my 14th year anniversary. And reflecting on some of that gave me some, some moments of happiness, which, you know, again, I think we need to help a lot more women share their stories. Um, and I think those are some good ways. I think it helps to retain women. Perfect. Uh, Kara, do you want to close us out? Yeah, sure. So again, thank you so much for joining us today. It really has been a pleasure not only having you on the podcast, but getting to chat with you. Um, just to kind of round out our conversation, do you have any final thoughts around what we've been talking about? Any closing comments that that you'd kind of like to add? Yeah, totally. And thank you so much for having me on. This has been so enjoyable and fun and, you know, thinking through uh, kind of why I'm doing what I'm doing is uh, that it's, it's always great to do that and take pauses during our busy days, uh, sometimes to reflect on that. So I'm really thankful for that opportunity. Um, you know, I, some of the thoughts that I had were our companies, our large companies today, um, you know, the ones that are branded as core engineering companies have so many different options for career choices within these the walls of these companies right um, many of them are core engineering roles but then there are so many that are um, interesting and very creative and they need skills that sometimes people don't think about um, and i think i want everyone that's listening to this podcast to be aware of that and to know that and also explore that um, as you look at offers or jobs and, and understand that there are so many ways in which we can expand our skill set. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I had not thought about a lot of that in my early career days at Rockwell. Um, so I would encourage and everyone listening to this podcast to be very open-minded about the paths or the career tracks that are out there. And if you do decide that engineering is something you want to do, you know, pursue it and pursue it with grit and feel positive about it, knowing that there is a great future um, in this field, whether that's engineering or manufacturing, and there's going to be a great outcome just because there's so much need for good talent um, right now. So I would say that would be my, uh, my parting comments. And I wanna thank Kara and Kira for doing such a great job, uh, you know, and listening to my story of uh, how I became an engineer and why I love manufacturing. 